The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's episode, we have a very special guest, my longtime friend, Mark Sines. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. That's cool. Dude, it's cool just to see you. Fuck, I haven't seen you in a long time. Dude, I've, I always... Oh, but it's no fun. I, dude, I feel so guilty, too. I'm like, fuck. I was like, I never see him. I was like, I was like, well, that that motherfucker also doesn't ever see me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but we're, we're in rare times right now, too, you know, trying to yeah. keep safe and sound, so... And even, even, dude, even in the, in the way back when, um, I don't know. I think we could just get, so, dude, you got so much going on with the, like the hockey and everything else. It's like, fuck work. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the work part about, but, <laughs> but uh, everything else yeah. I can relate to. Nah, it sucks being a grown up, dude. Sometimes yeah. anyway. That's true. Um, all right. The reason I wanted you on today uh, is to talk about metal. Um, and it could even just be about music and why music's been important to you. Um, and also, so not only find out about why music, why heavy metal has been important to you, um, but also you could maybe fill me in on some memories I might have forgotten. Because um, just thinking, trying to think about it, I, I've remembered a couple. I remember like Steve and his shoe, but you could fill me in on that stuff. Um, in my best. So let's get started, dude. Let's, uh, and, and for listeners out there, Mark and I met what freshman year in high school, uh, football, like over yeah. so before the Number season before even started. Freshman year, man, Bishop Amat getting ready to uh, start football training, summer, um, early morning summer practices. Dude, and that was that that was brutal. I had no idea like what was gonna happen. I had no idea what to expect, and uh, and didn't yeah. know many people, so it was it was cool. Like you know, we were in the same uh, early morning period, and yeah, we just started hanging out. What were you What were you into at that time? And uh, when did you start like finding a love for music and heavier music? Oh, dude, it also for me it really started with heavy music. Like that's early on, like, that's what really got me started. So, I mean, I was thinking about this knowing that I was going to talk to you today. Um, for me, you know, it, it all starts when I was eight years old, honestly. Um, you know, music was always in my house and my house was, was very musical. My mom and dad listened to music. My, well, I have two older sisters. They both listen to music, but different stuff, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I remember being like seven years old and going to like this, uh, summer camp where they take you camping and everything. And, and some older kid was listening to Kiss. And that was like my first sort of like, wow. But it was not even so much the music. Cause I mean, I did Kiss, but they they weren't the ones that really like blew my mind or anything, but it was more of the makeup and the visual and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was pretty cool. But when it really started was, I, you know, I remember it, man, 1980, I was eight years old um, and I heard Back in Black. Uh, for the very first time. And, and it was, uh, I was playing baseball at, you know, little league. Uh, the coach's son was like a teenager and he was hanging out at the park and, you know, we were getting ready for practice and he had a tape deck and he, and he had ACDC going. And I was like, what is that? Like, like I remember it to this day, dude, so vividly, like, fuck it. And like, I felt it, you know, and, you know, 
I begged my sister, like, please, you know, can you buy me this album? It's called Back in Black. And she did. Um, and that's really what started it. But it really took a whole nother turn for me. Same year when I heard Van Halen, man, Van Halen, Women and Children first album, 1980, same year. 1980 was an amazing year for metal, dude. If you ever go back and look at it, how many great albums came out in that year? Um, yeah, Women and Children first. And then I went and looked at the earlier catalog of Van Halen. And dude, I've been a fan ever since. So I'm grieving a little bit today. Hence the tribute yeah, to um, And that's... It, dude, I, I texted you about that because it's such a, or emailed, it's such a hard thing for me. Like, uh, man, I think maybe just that I have no empathy because uh, I just, I don't get, like, I don't feel bad for people when they die. If I don't know them personally, yeah. like, dude, when, when friends are sick or whatever or, or dying, like, that hits me hard. But if it's someone I don't know, but, and even people that I've looked up to, I just, I don't have it. But I understand it. Like, I, I, I get it. So, yeah. Um, Especially someone's, I mean, because you were a lifelong fan. Like, so how many, how many times did you see Van Halen? Did, did you see? 1982, Diver Down Tour, 10 years old, my first concert ever. Uh, 14th row on the floor at the LA Forum, dude. I first concert, Damn. I was a kid, dude. People putting up bud all around. I mean, I was like, my eyes were this big, man. And I just remember the sound being so freaking loud, dude. I mean, like where my ears were ringing for days. I mean, probably shouldn't have been there as a 10 year old. That Did your parents take you? My mom bought the tickets and uh, we had a, a family friend who lived just down the street. He was already like a college age guy. Um, my parents said, you know, if you take them, you know, we'll buy you the ticket. And he was like, oh, hell yeah. Van Halen guy and me and another buddy. But my buddy was five years older than me. Uh, my buddy Alex Padilla, man, and we, we, the three of us went and it was, I mean, I've never turned back. So I, you know, concerts are still a big deal to me. Like I still love the live show, man. Mm -hmm. um, and it sucks during this time not to have that. But uh, yeah, I saw Van Halen, you know, then I saw him on the 1984 tour and I was really more of a David Lee Roth guy. So when he left the band and um, I didn't feel the same about it. You know, I've learned to appreciate it more now, but back then I was staunch. Like if it ain't DLR, I'm not with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I saw them when they reunited, you know, every time they were in town, I never missed it. Did they do uh was it them that was on like monsters of rock or some major? Yeah. yeah you... Headlining with Metallica and everybody. Did you go to that one? And, and I was did not go to that, but you okay. know, I know a lot of people who did, and they said it was a great show. Well, because you're gonna be super pissed at me because we went, I went <laughs> with Mike and other people. I didn't know who, but I remember just being trash. And then I think Van Halen went on last. Yeah, they were like, were like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised, dude. I, 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 I'm not. Shocked. You know what? Van Halen's awesome. Whenever I hear their music, like I really enjoy it. But I was never a, I don't know, probably because, uh, I don't know, to me, I think I was more into the, the whole leather and just. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the difference. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's where Van Halen kind of, they were a party band. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's what they were. They, you know, they had a heavy tinge, but they weren't, I wouldn't even call them metal. I would call them just rock, hard rock party music. Cause yeah. It was, it was more, it had more groove, had more swing. And for me, like that's, you know, I, we totally vibe on, on music. I mean, we, we do, we've been to a lot of shows together. We have a lot of common ground, 
But I think where we're different is that you lean more towards the harder edge mm-hmm. and I lean more towards the the hard rock and metal that is a little more groovy, you know, a little has a little more malady and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so Van Halen kind of took me on that and ACDC because ACDC has a groove throughout, man. And um, that's kind of what got me started. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, because your musical interests, and, and that's one thing with me too. I was very stunted in my, what I would listen to. Like it was only metal and only the hard stuff. And so much of it was like this bullshit identity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you introduced me to a lot of music. I know you're listening to uh, like Morrissey or Cure, like a lot when yeah. we were in high school. And so just yeah. different types of music. And then you were probably I think, almost positive. You're the one who introduced me to like Tool and mm-hmm. th- that type of music. Yeah. Uh, that's probably some of my favorite stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, my musical taste, like I said, I music is near and dear to me, man. And so I, I, I listen to a lot of stuff. You know, my, my musical interests range a lot. It all comes sort of full, full circle back to the hard rock. Like that's, that's where my, you know, my favorite, if I, if I had, if you put a gun in my head and I had to name my 10 favorite bands or whatever, eight of them are probably on, you know, in the metal or hard rock genre, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I listen to everything, you know, uh, you know, I dabbled as playing in, in, a, in bands, you know, so, um, you know, we weren't a metal band, you know, we played more on the rock stuff. And so, um, yeah, my musical interests really do vary from, you know, I, I could kind of trace the, the trajectory, like how it worked for me. So it was, you know, that early, you know, 80s hard rock, you know, crew, rat, all that sort of stuff that yeah. in the early 80s. Um, that sort of bridged me to punk. Like I, I really got into punk, uh, like, you know, late junior high, like seventh, eighth grade, you know, circle jerks, GBH, those kinds of bands, uh, germs. And then, you know, moving on, you know, into when we were in high school and stuff, that's where I sort of branched out a little bit more. I'll always listen to the stuff, but, you know, also listen to a lot of, you know, new wave music, uh, wasn't too much into like all the disco and stuff that was going around. That wasn't me. Never was. Yeah. Always, you know, bands that played instruments. That's that's it for me because when I listen to music, I really drill down to the component parts. Like that's how my brain instantly goes to what's the bass player doing, what's the drummer doing, and for whatever reason, yeah, I, I think that's why I love live shows is because I get to totally fixate on what these guys are doing. Is it blows my mind how talented these dudes are. You know, that's only something I've appreciated uh, probably in the last couple of years. Like I noticed that the last couple of shows, um, and I think especially Metallica that we went to, um, but actually paying attention and trying to see what they're doing because I was, I've been trying to teach myself. Like it's, it's pointless. I should actually take real classes. Um, but ever since I started that, I definitely appreciated it more, you know, whereas before I was just like, oh, I like how it sounds. Um, but yeah, now, now I kind of like to see it. I was going to, I want to talk about the band because I don't think I was around for any of that. Like, uh, so when did you first have any interest in being in a band? Like, did you do it with the hopes of like maybe making a big and being a rock star? Um, you know, cause I think that's when I was at Brown or, or JC or whatever. So I missed yeah. all that. So, yeah, so it started pretty much right after high school. So, you know, we went to Ahmad, you know, had to keep the hair tight and all that to kind of limit, 
what you can do as far as how you dress and all of that. So, you know, at the tail end of high school, I already started to kind of let my hair grow. So right when, when, you know, we walked off that campus, it was like, okay, I could be myself now, you know, and, um, you know, it was like, I have, you know, buddies that I grew up with that, you know, didn't go to Amman stuff that were, uh, into music, you know, really like, you know, trying to pursue it and stuff. And I didn't really play anything at the time, like in high school. Um, uh, but you know, right after graduation, uh, my buddy's like, dude, you gotta, you know, let's do something, you know, pick up an instrument. So, um, you know, I, we knew some drummers already, uh, there's no way I was going to be good enough to play guitar. So, um, I jumped into bass and basically just sat in my room for a long time, you know, and, and just banged away listening to, you know, at the time, this was probably like 1990, 1991, mm-hmm. you know, listening to a lot of like the cult and, and GNR and stuff like that. And just trying to learn, uh, those just straight ahead rock and roll kind of tracks. And, um, you know, once it's all by ear, man, like I don't, I've never taken a lesson either, um, but was good enough to, you know, play, you name a club in Hollywood, we probably played it and a lot of backyard parties and it didn't, and, you know, to go back to your question, no, it was never to make it big. You know, it was, it was a good time. You know, I was, you know, young and, you know, 18, 19, 20, just having fun, bro. Just partying. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I think that'd be, I think it'd be super cool. Uh, playing guitar or bass like that's something I never thought I could even do it just seemed like it was like eh, that's not even possible uh, I never thought I had the desire but I, I do enjoy it man like if I lately I had limited time but I was like I gotta try to squeeze it in so if nothing else it'll help me relax it does it kind of occupies your mind you know and and takes you away a little bit and yeah it, it was pretty cathartic for me back in those days too because you know a, as you know, my dad had a pretty bad work related accident in after we graduated, like August of 90. Um, and it was a tough time, man. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. So that's about the time that I was starting to teach myself how to play. And yeah, it was a good way to sort of get rid of the anxiety and the stress that was happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Something I was just thinking about today, cause I was trying to think of what I was in to like in ninth grade. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if it was ninth grade or 10th grade, but I know we listened to it all the damn time uh, with Ryan when he was driving uh, Guns <laughs> N' Roses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, like that yeah. record will yeah. always be stuck in my head. Stuck, dude. Like I, I can't hear Mr. Brownstone without thinking of, you know, his Mazda or whatever he used to have, dude, and picking us up for, for uh, football practice in the morning, you know, summer mornings. Yeah. Vivid, dude. I, I think he would just rewind that tape, start it from the first song, because by the time he got to my house, after yeah. picked you up, it was on the exact same song, exact same part. It was like clockwork, dude. But Yeah, that, that, that was rough. Uh, but, I mean, that was, I, I enjoyed the album at the time, but just not that many fucking times. And associating it with something that was brutal, like having to go to football practice, Hell Week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and pick like up at like 5.45 in the morning in the summer when all our non-football friends were freaking asleep dude and we had to go punch in but hey makes yeah. it stronger i guess right yeah that and uh, traumatic brain injuries <laughs> thanks football that, that's for your other podcast you were here we're not talking yeah. let's keep this one metal um <laughs> also so and then there was a period i don't remember how old we were but uh where we were playing we would play 
I don't know, Madden all the time, right? And so there would always be music involved. Um, like, what do you think we were listening to then? Let's see. That was probably, probably a lot of I'm trying to, yeah, probably like Rage Against the Machine, Cool, mm. like that whole sort of post-grunge 90s music that was happening. I mean, I, I loved like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, all that stuff. We were probably listening to some of that too. Um, yeah. I, I really dug all that. So like going back to like when we were, my band was playing around, we, we kind of got started like around 91. So it was, it was still hair metal, like was still big on the strip, you know, in LA. So it was kind of a weird time in between when that was still happening. And when, you know, Nirvana hadn't even broke yet, you know, it was like that weird space where once Nirvana came, it, it just flipped the script on what was happening in, in local music and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like what killed a lot of the fucking big hair and makeup bands that were that were still working uh, around town. Um, so, yeah, we were listening to probably most of that stuff. Definitely Tool. Um, that was one of the cool things about when I was you know playing around. I got exposed to a lot of stuff that was happening before it got big. So... That's cool. Now, how about with shows? Like, how important are live shows to you? And would you rather see someone in a small venue? Would you rather discover someone at a little club? Do you like the huge arenas? Uh, I mean, because like when we our last show that I think we saw together was Metallica, and that was an incredible show, even though we we're all fucking squished together and high up and you yeah. know whatever. That's right. not my ideal thing. It was still cool, but like mm-hmm. so for you what kind of experience um, is the most meaningful? And what are some of your favorite concerts you've seen? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, now to me, the live show, that's it. That's everything. The experience, um, you know, that's a moment in time that you'll never get back. You know what I mean? So like I, I treat concerts, I don't want to say with a lot of reverence, but when I'm there, I, I really try to absorb what's happening because, you know, this will never happen again, you know, and, and the people that you're in there with, they're sharing the same experience, you know, um, whatever that, you know, that lead singer says, or, you know, just whatever happens quirky in the show, or just if a band is on that night and just fucking kicks ass, you know, that's, you walk away with that experience that only the people that were in that room will can share, you know? And so to me, the venue size doesn't matter. Obviously, you know, they could be more intimate when they're small, but then also if you're with 18,000 people and you're all, the band has you right here, dude, there's nothing like that. That's fucking, that's like church, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, Now, how about a couple in also, how many do you think you've been to? Because um, I was just thinking, I was like, even if I only went to three a year for the last 33 years, that's 199. Uh, and I know you've gone to a hell of a lot more. Dude, it'd be hard to even guess. I mean, if you're talking like Ticketmaster, you know, type shows, it's in the hundreds. I mean, I've kept a lot of stubs, almost yeah. probably about half the stubs. And, you know, I actually have them displayed in my man cave and stuff. Dude, it's a lot. It's a lot. And not to mention shows where, you know, either they didn't, it was wristband only or, you know, stub went in the wash or, you know, that yeah. kind of. So 
if I had to put a number to it, God, two fifty probably. Yeah. Like there was a time like I look back, especially like in like ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, that whole that time period. I, literally like there were shows like multiple shows per month, like Ticketmaster type shows, like big venue shows. Mm-hmm. Um, my credit card took a beating in those days, man. But I, I, you know, that's a big deal for me. And I didn't, I couldn't miss. I had, I had to be there. I saw some great stuff, man. Um, I was just thinking about this. So at that time I was actually going to a lot of shows, but I was getting paid because I was doing security just for that reason. Yeah. Uh, so I got to see like Pantera and so many awesome shows. Uh, yeah. 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 That was definitely a cool part of it. Um, what, uh, okay. So now, what out of out of let's say let's go metal um what are a couple do you have like a couple festivals or favorite concerts that you really like really hit you man yeah for sure dude um let me narrow it down because there's there's a few um not all of them in the metal genre but i'll keep it to that um damn that pantera show that with white zombie that we all went to that's the one i don't remember fucking amazing show dude like unreal um another one that blew my mind was uh also white zombie was on the bill for this one too um danzig and and white zombie uh halloween night like 90 probably like 92 93 at irvine meadows phenomenal um shit what else Definitely the first Van Halen show, but we already went over that. Um, what else? How about between Maiden? Was Maiden big for you at all for concerts? Oh, dude, or Maiden, or? especially my like Peace of Mind. That album, that's '83, mm-hmm. dude. Totally. That's another 1980. Uh, the first Maiden album came out 1980, also. So, See, I wasn't exposed. I didn't have the early start like you did. I yeah. the very first band I heard that opened my eyes was us. Probably I don't. When did when did um, Hell's Bells come out? Or uh, eighty? That was on back in okay. So I guess it was right around that time then, mm-hmm. because uh, I'm pretty sure that's the song I heard. But my next door neighbor. But after yeah. that, I didn't hear anything until Mike brought home Maiden. And in the yeah. meantime, I was having to hear like fucking Duran Duran and. Sure. your older sister yeah, right? yeah. yeah i get it dude like but it was cool because like i had a sister that was more into like the r&b kind of stuff my oldest sister and then my my middle sister she she dabbled a little bit more so like she had some kind of cool stuff that that also kind of turned me on like she had nugent um she had like pretenders like stuff that you know maybe isn't metal but mm-hmm. it definitely has a rock sensibility and so you know i got exposed to a lot of cool stuff and then helped me just fucking once I heard that stuff I already talked about it was it was on man and no but Maiden uh the Peace of Mind album was the first one that I got into Fly to Vicarious fuck oh yeah just kept hitting rewind on the tape on that one dude and then um yeah I just was a have been a Maiden fan ever since seen them multiple times and they I mean talk about a live band dude they never disappoint their freaking show is off the hook dude like they're old ass dudes now and they still bring it harder than all these chumps that are around now. 
Yeah. No, I always I always liked the theatrics. I, I loved their shows. Dio, he would have like the big ass dragon, a spider, or whatever. I else. saw them together. Did you? Yeah. Same bill, man. It was those two bands. Um, Jesus, probably like early two thousands, you know. Um some outdoor venue. I don't even remember which one, dude, but we were on the lawn and what a show. Big group of us. That's cool. I already took uh Liv already saw Maiden a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a super cool concert. We took her, she really liked uh Three Doors, uh Three Days Grace and Breaking okay. Benjamin. And okay. so we went to that show. We took Jake too. He was only six. Okay. But but dude, it was such a cool experience. And we had like really good seats. And then the whole family was singing. Dude, you know me, I never even sing. <laughs> but with them, I was singing. And uh so yeah, I think that's uh, being, a, being all grown up. All right, so now let's go into a couple of concerts uh, yeah. because my memory sucks. Like you mentioned, uh, the White Zombie and Pantera. Um, only thing I remember about that concert was my brother losing his shoe, because yeah. I know we were in the pit, right? Dude, that, yeah, that'll just that's alone to like demonstrate how gnarly that pit was, dude. Like, I've you know I've seen Slayer. I you know I've I've, I've been to a lot of really uh, dude. Some of the most wicked pit, like Rage, especially. Mm-hmm. At small venues, those pits got freaking radical too. But man, that one for Pantera was sick, dude. The whole floor of the forum was a tornado, dude. And um, I think we all took some battle scars home from that one. But yeah, your brother came out, you know, missing stuff he came with. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I barely remember that. And I, I completely forgot about like how much I used to love getting in the pit. Like, uh, I don't know. So what are what are some other shows that we did? So the last one was Metallica. Yeah. Early on. I, okay. I do remember one. I remember getting our, we painted our faces. Uh, Ozfest. So, so we, we must have gone the year before, right? Because for that some... That was Ozfest number one, dude. That was the very first Ozfest ever. So why did we think it was a smart idea to paint our faces? Like, I was thinking, I was like, well, maybe it was the second one because... Maybe the last one we saw people with painted faces. No, I think we went just, we were stoned for once. And the program had just come out. Yeah, yeah. it was Ozfest. You know, the bands that were there, like, I think Manson was on the bill. I think Slayer was on. I mean, so it kind of lent itself to kind of a, not want to say goth, but like, you know, it was going to be that kind of vibe. And somebody had the idea, hey, let's paint our faces. Fuck, all right, cool. And bad idea <laughs> yeah i remember being really paranoid and uh, totally man totally. Yeah, that, was a, that, that was a bad time yeah. but it was fun it was, a, it was a different kind of experience yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that was that was and hey, dude i thought we were wha- there was some more whacked out people than us there oh yeah yeah I mean, there's a guy that was trying to touch my brother's shoe right he's like tripping out on it and just dude, like, that guy was in a bad spot man <laughs> good times um, it was. we still remember it yeah, see, I remember that part of it. I don't remember, but like I couldn't remember any of that show. I remember, I remember the five second clip of that dude trying to touch my brother's shoe. I remember being paranoid and all this yeah. other stuff and thinking people were talking about me. Uh, but I don't remember that, that, happens. that happens. Um, it made you made me think of a you know, you're talking about like shows that I remember that were just out of this world kind of thing. I was also at you know, when Ozzy retired for the first time at Pacific Amphitheater, the very last show that he was supposed to have, like he, the tour ended that night 
in, you know, Orange County. Mm. And we were there, me and my buddy Mondo, you, you know, uh, we were there for that show and, you know, MTV was there covering it. Like, cause this was it. This was supposed to be the end of Ozzy's, you know, he was going to hang them up. And so the whole word on the street was that Sabbath was going to, the original Sabbath lineup was going to come out, at, you know, and fuck, I was like, yeah, cool, dude. Cause Sabbath, I mean, next to Van Halen, Sabbath is my all time number two band. Like mm-hmm. they, they set the stage for everything after that. Um, so sure enough, dude, after Ozzy's done, you know, everyone's hanging around. No one, no one leaves and the lights go down and, but the stage lights stay on. We're like, yes, it's going to happen. And sure enough, dude, Sabbath, the original Sabbath who hadn't played together in since Ozzy left the band, you know, like 79 or whatever. Oh, that's awesome. And dude blew my freaking mind. And it, it, it was supposed to be like a milestone event, right? Cause Ozzy was supposed to hang it up after that, but Dude, I've seen Sabbath with Ozzy like three more times since then. <laughs> well, that's super cool to be the first ones to experience yeah. it. Um, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I can't think of any other shows. I know there were. I went. I know I went with you and some of your boys to one. There's been a couple, but yeah. Now we saw Tool together at uh, oh yeah at no Universal problem. Amphitheater. That was a great show, man. That was like the which tour was that the. Um, it was the one when he had his face painted in half. Yeah, he was like half black, half white. Yeah, whatever tour that was, man. But it was like you know, probably the third album. Yeah, dude, I could I could remember uh, I remember that one perfect. I remember that show. I remember that was probably one of my favorite shows. Um, that's pretty amazing to be able to remember something that long ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I missed that amphitheater. That was the best place to watch a show, man. But it's gone now. That sucks. Um, now do you check out any virtual shows? Have you checked anything at all? Is there- I have. It, I don't get the same vibe because, you know, you're not, to me, being there with the other people, that's part of the experience, you know, mm-hmm. having a waiting line for beer and all that. That's to me, that's part of it, man. I, I, I dig the, you know, the, the mass camaraderie that happens at a show. Um, some people don't. I do like I, to me that that's the whole point and to see if these bands that you know sound good on record can actually do what they what they sound like and you know in this genre and most of dude nobody it's rare that I'm disappointed I can't remember the last band that I went mm-hmm. they suck dude like they don't sound anything like you know what they sound like on the record um when these dudes master their instruments like it's it's fun to watch Oh, yeah. Now, how about your, what's your listening like now? Have you kind of mellowed out with age? You just go through different, like, shit, maybe in the morning you have a lot of energy. Like, what are you usually listening to? That's a good question, man. Um, I can't listen to, like, terrestrial radio hardly anymore, although I, I, I do just to kind of try to stay up on what's happening. But rock stations in L.A. suck, dude. I mean, KLOS is cool, because you listen, it's basically, you know, classic rock now. Like it's stuff right. that we kind of grew up on. There's no, they don't, they don't expose any new music. Like you don't hear it. Um, they might have like an hour long show on a Sunday night or whatever for like local music or whatever. Um, but it's cool. Like if, so I listen to a lot of Sirius XM oh, yeah. um, for my own stuff. Yeah. I listen to Sirius a lot. Basically all the hard rock channels from 
you know, lithium, uh, hair nation, boneyard and liquid metal. Like basically I run through those four over and over just to see what, what's got a better tune on, um, you know, first wave. Cause I still dig, you know, a lot of like, uh, early new wave kind of stuff too. So I'll, I'll listen to that. Um, and plus like I, my CD library before, you know, CDs kind of just went to MP3. I had hundreds and hundreds of CDs that I basically just ripped into my computer. So I have an iPod classic, like the fucking whatever it is, 20 gig one or whatever. And it's just, I've got like 7,000 songs on it probably. And so like, it's cool. I could just, whatever, if I'm in the mood for something and then I've also got Amazon Alexa. And so if a song that comes to mind, like play it and there it is. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been going through CDs and trying to think of, cause every day this month I'm doing a different band. Yeah. Um, but yes, looking at all the old CDs reminds me of a lot of stuff. And then when I'm going to talk about the band, I go through their albums again. So it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. something I would never do. Like today I was listening to hate breed all day and, yeah. uh, yesterday was like man of war and like, man, I don't know the last time I even thought of those bands. And then it's cool to see like, okay, what did I even like about them? Like, why was I even into that? And that, so. Yeah. I think a lot of it is like imagery and, and the image that you want to portray to, especially in high school, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I remember, you know, in high school, I still listen to a lot of the same stuff you listen to. Cause like you would turn me on to shit. I would turn you on to shit, but you, you kind of stay true to the metal. You're like, you always, you never, you never wavered from, you know, flying the metal flag. Like, it was you and maybe like two other dudes in, in school that were staunch, bro. Like you were really all about it. And, and, you know, I, my persona wasn't that, but I was always had my ear to it. And so, you know, you mentioned that I exposed you to some bands and stuff, but you did the same for me, man. And um, even to this, like, it's funny. Like I remember uh, we were hanging out, playing all the video games and stuff. And so we were listening to a lot of like, Pantera down, oh, um, yeah. uh, Machine Head. We were li- like during that time period, mm. we were listening to a lot of that stuff. Um, and I remember, you know, because I didn't look it, I didn't dress it or whatever. And I and I went to a I went to a football game with uh, Razo's crowd, and there was and you know he's a cop, and so he had some cop buddies there that were you know they were metal dudes or whatever. And, and they were playing music and we were tailgating and I was like, oh shit, that's cool. That's blah, blah, blah. And they're like, fuck, how do you know all that? And, and, you know, and Roz knows that I'm a, I'm a music guy. Right. And, and some of the other guys that knew me better knew it too. So like they were playing all this stuff and I was like, yeah, cool. You know, that's, that's a sweet band. Like, you know, who's in it and everything. They're like, fuck, how do you know that? So finally, like one time he was like, all right, dude, million bucks. If you could freaking name who this is. And it was Machine Head. I'm like, oh, dude, that's fucking Machine Head. Like, instantly. And he was like, what? And everyone was cracking up, dude, because, like, that dude sold me a million bucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Warms my heart. Yeah, dude. I owe you half. All right. That's sweet. Um, Well, I probably should go. I got to take care of the kid. Make sure that he's asleep and all that good stuff. Um, But, dude, thanks for being on. This, This is awesome catching up. We should just do these more often I know. Um, before i go out need to pick a song so i'll give you some choices i'll give you ones that are named after metal songs so these are from untold mayhem the ones that are left um are uh 
damn, you, you don't have much to pick from. You either got Numbered Days, which is based off of like a Biohazard song, just the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead to Me, also Biohazard. Last in Line, Dio, or Left Unfinished, uh, Machine Head. Let's go with Dio, man. All right, that's what I was guessing. I was going to guess yeah. Dio. It's not my favorite story, but hopefully hopefully, <laughs> uh, the listeners will enjoy it. All right, so this is Last in Line off of Untold Mayhem. Thank you so much, Mark Signs, for being my guest today. Awesome uh, hanging out, dude. All right, bro. Last in Line. Warren Zeller clenched his fists as he stood at the back of the line that wound its way through the dark alley. He'd been the last in line all his life. In elementary school, everything was done in alphabetical order. In junior high, before his growth spurt, he was picked last for every sport. In high school, he was the last guy to kiss a girl, and last by far to get laid. When he grew older and realized that no one gave two shits about him, Warren took fate into his own hands and joined the Cabrera Cartel, one of the most feared organizations on the East Coast. Sure, for the first couple of years, he was always less to benefit, but as the sole white guy in a Colombian organization, that was to be expected. In the beginning, they fed him table scraps and only allowed him glimpses of the beautiful whores the cartel shared like other families might share a remote control. He was the last to pick from the spoils of any robbery, and considered himself lucky whenever he got a taste of uncut cocaine. But Warren persevered, and undertook every assignment with such enthusiasm and conviction that soon he was respected, and even feared by the same men giving him the commands. No one tortured and killed like Warren, and those that did not know of Warren's reputation could take one look at his hardened face and realize they should stay the fuck out of his way. But somehow, despite all the advances he'd made in his life, here he was once again, the last in line. Even though Warren couldn't remember why he was in this ridiculously long line, he wasn't about to tolerate it. He'd spent his whole life clawing his way to the top, and he wasn't about to wait behind a bunch of pathetic losers. Warren stepped to the side of the unmoving mass and peered down the dark alley, unable to see the head of the line. At first, he had thought they were waiting to get into an exclusive nightclub, but half of the people in line were degenerates in ratty clothing. In harsh contrast, many others wore business suits, and the remainder looked like average suckers you'd see walk in the street. This wasn't the first time that Warren had regained consciousness without being able to remember what he was doing or how he had gotten there. That was one of the drawbacks of using so much blow. He hated when this happened. But the journey was so much more enjoyable when his head was in a white cloud. When he was high, he didn't think about his repulsive face. He didn't think about his tiny cock. He didn't think about how the others in the cartel laughed at him behind his back because they were too afraid to do so in front of him. All he thought about was the next job and how good it would feel to end that person's life. 
Sometimes he'd even get hard when he considered new, exciting, and oh-so-painful ways to kill. Fists still clenched. Warren shouldered past the scrawny man in front of him. He didn't look to the guy for an okay. He didn't say, excuse me. He simply pushed ahead, knowing that the guy would either be a wimp and let it slide, or he would open his mouth and get a fist rammed down it. Predictably, the pussy didn't say a word. Neither did the next five guys standing silently in line. As he moved forward, Warren checked their faces, hoping to jar his memory. It wouldn't do for him to get inside wherever they were headed and not remember who he was there to kill. Upset at himself for forgetting the identity of his target, Warren bumped the big leather-clad biker in front of him. The six-foot-six giant turned around and glared at Warren. Not one to back down from a confrontation, Warren stared back and waited. When the big man broke eye contact, Warren said, Tell me where we're going and how long you've been in line. A mocking smile crept across the biker's face. You're standing in line and you don't know why? Without warning, Warren threw a vicious roundhouse, cracking the guy's jaw with a loud snap and dropping him to the trash-strewn concrete. With the spectators too scared to stop him, Warren launched steel-toed kicks into the giant's face until it was unrecognizable. No one said a word as the wet thuds muffled the sound of breaking bones. Warren stopped the attack and walked down the line, just waiting for some other asshole to question him. It didn't take long before a punk in a cheap pinstripe stuck out his arm and said, where do you think you're going? The guy obviously hadn't been close enough to see the savage beating Warren had just handed out. But that was no excuse. When someone poked their nose where it didn't belong, they had to pay the price. Warren hooked his arm over the guy's forearm and jerked backward, snapping his elbow, bending it in a direction God never intended. Before the guy could scream, Warren slammed his forehead into the guy's mouth, knocking out several teeth. Not one to leave a job unfinished, Warren bashed the guy's head into the brick wall until it was the consistency of a rotten cantaloupe. Warren wiped blood and brain matter onto his slacks and shouted down the line, Who else thinks I should stay at the back of the line, huh? Which one of you pussies doesn't want me cutting ahead? He glared at the line, daring someone to say something. Instead... Everyone lowered their heads in submission. Taking his time, Warren stalked down the dark alley, hoping someone would challenge him. He also hoped his mind would clear and he could remember why he was in the goddamn line in the first place. As he neared the entrance, where guards were slowly letting people through a red door, Warren finally remembered the identity of his target— Bobby Mendoza had intercepted two of the cartel's shipments, containing over two million in cash and coke. Warren picked up his pace, strode up to the larger of the security guards, and demanded to be admitted. The guard held up his hands and smiled. I've got no problem with that. He pointed over Warren's shoulder and said, But that guy might... Anticipating a sucker punch, Warren turned with his hands up. It was Bobby, patiently waiting at the front of the line. He recognized Warren, 
but didn't seem concerned in the least. He also didn't reach for a weapon, almost as if he had already accepted his impending death. Wanting a fair fight was never one of Warren's weaknesses. In his line of work, it didn't matter if your target was ready. It didn't matter how you won. This wasn't some duel out in the desert. You take your target out quick, before he knows what hit him. When the slightest error could end up leaving you dead, permanently injured, or in prison, you couldn't waste time on ethics. Bobby was one hell of a knife fighter, and it would be smart to keep out of reach. This job required one well-placed bullet and a quick escape, leaving eyewitnesses confused and scared. Warren reached for his waistband, but his forty wasn't in the holster. It didn't make any sense. Warren would never leave the house without his piece, and he couldn't remember dropping it. His stomach clenched in anticipation of a plunging knife, but the strike never came. Bobby stood motionless and stared at Warren with vacant, resigned eyes. Warren threw a crushing elbow across Bobby's face, sent him stumbling. A crowd formed behind Bobby, who held his nose to stop the blood flow. Warren reached down for his ankle holster, but his backup wasn't there either. Bobby held up his hands and said, Hold up, man. There's no need to do this again. Go on in, Warren. You deserve to go ahead of me anyway. Warren now noticed that Bobby's once-white dress shirt was stained crimson and riddled with over half a dozen bullet holes. A fuzzy memory of knocking Bobby to the ground and emptying his gun into him left Warren speechless. At first he thought it was a dream, but Warren now clearly remembered standing over Bobby, firing round after round into him. I killed you, Warren said, confused. No shit. What are you doing back? Who says I'm back? I'm just waiting my turn. Warren glanced at the red door and the two guards standing on either side, beckoning Warren to enter. For what? He turned back to Bobby. What's in there? The place you've been hurrying to get to? All your life you've worked toward getting here, and now it's finally your turn. By all means, you should go ahead of me. Warren replayed the memory. After shooting Bobby, he had sat down on the curb and dropped his backup thirty-eight onto the street. It wasn't like him to stay around after a murder, especially such a noisy one. But he was lying down on the cold sidewalk. His chin dropped to his chest. There were several punctures in his torso. The hilt of Bobby's blade stuck deep between his ribs. Warren shook his head to clear the memory. The knife was still lodged in his heart. He ripped it out and tossed it down the alley. One guard called his name while the other opened the door, a wave of heat smacking Warren in his face. The larger guard smiled and motioned Warren forward.
This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.